Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. Once again, I'm riding solo this week. So for the 17 of you that are listening to me, yes, you get to hear me rant for 20 minutes about Michigan sports teams and pickums. How fun. It's the best 20 minutes of your week. One hopes and one prays for. So with that said, this is the first week we officially talk about the Michigan Wolverines as they open up Big Ten play. So my analysis of the first three games, honestly, it went about how I felt it would. I had said on the score or on the show that the final score of the three games combined was going to be a total of 160 to 24. It turned out to be a total of 160, uh, 166 to 17. So I was one point off on the actual total and six points off on the Michigan total as well as seven points off on the opposing total. So overall, a very good first three games, three games that we expected to see out of the Michigan Wolverines and three 50-plus burgers, which is great to see if your name is not Michigan State or Ohio State, that is. <laughs> uh, Michigan fans love it. Michigan State and Ohio State fans don't, as we all know. So that said... Moving to this preview of Michigan and Maryland. Let's let's go ahead and break it down as we usually do. As of Friday afternoon, Michigan is an 84.6% favorite to Maryland's 15.4%. In the passing yards, Talia Tungavailoa has 895 passing yards, six touchdowns versus two picks. The committee of J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara has McCarthy leading in the passing total with 473 and three touchdowns. Yard-wise advantage to Leah. However, the tandem I give the advantage to, especially at home. Rushing yards. Hemby, 294 yards, three touchdowns. Corum, 235 yards, seven touchdowns. Advantage Corum. Uh, receiving yards, Jarrett 196 and one touchdown. Ronnie Bell 181 yards and one touchdown. Yard-wise advantage Jarrett, but skill-wise advantage Bell. In the pick center, Michigan is a 17-point favorite. Michigan is minus 700 on the money line, while Maryland is a plus 500. The over-under is 64.5. My analysis of this game is I think Michigan is going to face the best offense that they have seen this year, but not necessarily the best offense they will see this year. I do feel as of this point in week four of the college football season that the best offense they're going to see in the regular season is without a doubt the Ohio State Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud and that team has laid the wood, laid it to the woodshed on uh, not Northern Illinois but Arkansas State and Toledo. They had a dogfight with Notre Dame at which they won late in the second half so Ohio State has been battle-tested. That said, in this game, Maryland, I think that Talia and that offense can get some yards, and they do have the potential to score points. That being said, I think Michigan can score a lot more points than Maryland can, and thus Michigan will get to 4-0 in a not necessarily easy, but interesting, fun fashion. Michigan is minus 17 for the first time in a while on the Big Ten uh, point spread. I like the points here. 
I think Michigan puts up another 50-burger on Maryland's porous defense, but Maryland keeps it a game for most of the first half. Michigan 51, Maryland 24. Michigan gets a 17-plus point win. Spread betters are happy. Over betters are happy. And Michigan fans are happy. So nonetheless, Michigan wins. Moving to the Lions. Lions, we're going to break it down just like we did Michigan. Both teams come in at 1-1, one one, Detroit and Minnesota. Uh, it's roughly a two-thirds, one-third spread. 66 even percent to the Vikings. 33.7% to the Lions, tie 0.4%, really more like 0.3 because you can't have 100.1%. But nonetheless, uh, that's where that goes. Passing yards, Jared Goff, 471 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. Kirk Cousins, 498 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. Advantage, surprisingly, Goff. Uh, rushing yards, DeAndre Swift, 200 yards and a touchdown versus Dalvin Cook, 107 yards. Advantage Swift. Receiving yards, Amon Ross St. Brown, 180 yards, three touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 232 yards and two touchdowns. Advantage Justin Jefferson. On the pick center, the Vikings are a six-point favorite and minus 250 on the money line. The Lions are plus 205. The over-under is 52.5. As far as this game goes, last week for both teams fared completely differently. The Vikings, having been promptly thrashed by Philly, the Lions winning a competitive game at home against Washington. So two teams coming in on two different aspects of the NFL spectrum but have the same record at 1-1. One Here's my keys to the game for both teams. For Detroit, you saw it last week. Score points in the second half. If you do that when you have a 25-point lead, you can keep the 25-point lead, even if it goes down to one score. Like we saw that happen in, in Detroit against the Washington Commanders. We saw that. We all did. Second thing, you know the Vikings are going to put Patrick Peterson on Amon Ross St. Brown. So you're going to want somebody with TJ Hawkinson, perhaps Trinity Benson or Khalif Raymond. You need to have that second wide receiver ready to go because Patrick Peterson, while he is an older veteran, is still elite in the corner department. So you're going to have a tough time against Patrick Peterson. Keep that second wide receiver ready to go. As usual, win the turnover game, but besides that, get the running game rolling. I mean, the running game has been halfway decent this year with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. You keep that going, you score points, you get that second wide receiver or TJ Hawkinson tight end some catches, you're going to have a solid shot at beating the Vikings. That's what the Eagles did. They pounded the ball with Miles Sanders. They got the ball to not Jalen Rager, but um, not J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Kind of losing track here, but A.J. Brown. Uh, see what I mean when I do this myself and wing it? Sometimes those uh, those ran, those strands can happen. But uh, A.J. Brown and uh, Dallas Goddard. They got the ball to A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Spread the ball around. Basically thrashed the Vikings at the link. So with that said, the Vikings return home, and I think they they're going to be coming in pissed off. 
Don't get me don't get this twisted. The Vikings will be pissed that they lost in Philly to a team that they felt they should have beaten by two scores. The Lions also probably feel they should have beat Philadelphia by two scores. In reality, Philadelphia is a very good team. Let's let's make that clear. Vikings 24, Lions 10. Lions have trouble doing what Philly did. The Viking, it's more of pissed off Vikings than bad Lions. I will say that. Lions still need to really work on that defensive side of the ball, especially in the second half. But I don't think the 10 points will be a result of their own offense. It'll be more of a result of Minnesota's defense. Minnesota 24, Detroit 10, um, Michigan 51, Maryland 24. So those are my official predictions for the big games. And now we move to the most heralded segment on the Tom Green podcast, and that is the Pickums. We got a total of ten games this week, nine count towards the standings. One, of course, is the is the spread line. We'll do the bonus game last as usual. But we'll start in the college football game, shall we? Clemson and Wake Forest in ACC Atlantic, I believe, divisional uh, rivalry between these two teams in Winston-Salem. Wake Forest has had their moments, but Wake Forest is still Wake Forest. It has been since Chris Paul left. I know wrong sport. I do not care. Clemson, uh, DJ Uyungale, and that's probably the best I can pronounce his last name. Uh, Uyungale will have to spread the ball around in this game. They'll have to get some rushing yards as well, but it's going to be a higher scoring game, and I think Clemson wins by two scores over Wake Forest. Florida and Tennessee. This is part of Kelly and Vegas's parlay, picking Florida over the Tennessee minus ten and a half line. It seems a bit inflated, and Florida did lose a game uh, here to Kentucky, so that doesn't look good on Florida's resume. This could be a spot where Florida bounces back. Tennessee has, I believe, never beaten Florida as a double-digit favorite. Neyland Stadium is going to be rocking, but the Gators are going to come a-knocking. Florida 27, Tennessee 24. That could be the quote of the week. Neyland Stadium is going to be rocking, but Florida is going to come a-knocking. Arkansas and Texas A&M. Going to more on Barstool, I guess, because in a way uh, we do appreciate Barstool around Tom Green Podcast land. Uh, Brandon, uh, SEC Brandon had said, that Arkansas was going to lose the next four games. I looked at the schedule. I don't agree with him fully. However, this game in College Station is likely to be one of the two I think they will lose. So Brandon wasn't completely wrong by saying Arkansas is going to lose their next four games, but I don't necessarily agree with him. That said, I think AM wins this game by seven. Uh, 31-24, I'm going to go. AM and 31, Arkansas 24. And that's your college lines. Um, of course, our biggest line of the week comes from college, and we, we do that last, tra- traditionally. Moving to the NFL, we got a big slate here. Houston and Chicago. Both two teams that some people would consider to be clunker teams, which I totally understand. Because both teams are kind of in the in towards the bottom tier 
in the NFL. Let's 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 not mistake this. That said, Justin Fields and the Bears have won a game in the rain in Chicago while losing to the Packers. I think it's going to be almost the same as Lions-Vikings. Chicago's going to be more pissed off than Houston. Give me Chicago by 10. Bears move up to 2-1, and one and people are thinking, man, Justin Fields really could be for real. Las Vegas and Tennessee. Tennessee got blown, the doors got blown off of Tennessee's wagon by uh, Buffalo. And uh, they're looking to get some revenge on the Raiders. Well, the Raiders are also upset themselves because they lost to Arizona while holding, I believe, a two-possession lead with only a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. That said, give me the Raiders by seven. New Orleans and Carolina. Carolina off to what some people call a not-so-surprising, but I do call a surprising, 0-2. Because when Carolina got Baker Mayfield, I thought they would perhaps fort with 500. I really did. Not thinking 10 games, but I'm thinking more of the 7-9 game win range. And I thought they would beat a Deshaun Watson with Cleveland. I was wrong. I thought the Giants, a surprise 1-0 New York Giants. Well, Carolina's going to have those that surprise team. They should win by two scores and get that record back to 1-1. One one. I was wrong once again. The Panthers are 0-2. But I will not... Uh, they say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. The Panthers have fooled me twice. Shame on me. New Orleans 31, Carolina 20. Atlanta and Seattle, a battle of the birds. If this were 2012, this would be quite a ball game, and probably Sunday night or Monday night football. But it's 2022. The LOB is no longer existent. Mike Smith's defense or lack of defense isn't there either. This game has become a shell of itself. Seattle with Geno Smith. Atlanta with Arthur Smith. In the words of Ben Probst, Oh, we hired a new coach. Yeah, who is it? Arthur Smith. Oh, Seattle 27, Atlanta 24. They wrote Geno Smith off. He ain't right back. Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Green Bay did what we thought they would do against Chicago. It took them a little bit, but they did it. Uh, Three-score victory there. Tampa, of course, after... Uh, let's see, going to, I believe they are 2-0 now. Yes, they beat the Saints. So, um, very good matchup. Very good 425 matchup in Tampa. If this were at Lambeau, I would take the Packers by two scores. I'm taking Tampa by two scores in Tampa. Uh, and I feel sorry for who has to play Green Bay next. And I believe it's the Patriots. Uh-oh. Green Bay could easily be 1-3. They could easily be 3-1. We'll see how it goes. Sunday Night Football. It fell within the 2.5-point spectrum. So we're doing it. San Francisco and Denver. My goodness, Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. Let's see, it's fourth and one. We could give Russell Wilson the ball. Or even give uh, Williams the ball. Or Melvin Gordon the ball. Get a yard. Get three feet. And play four more downs and... 
hopefully play for a shorter field goal or better yet a touchdown. Or we could do a 64-yard field goal, a field goal that has only been made once in the history of the National Football League. I know what's best. Let's go for something that's only been made once in the history of the National Football League for the win. Look at me. I am so smart. Sorry, Nathaniel Hackett. It didn't work. And nobody thought it would work. Except for maybe Brandon McManus. Okay, he's the kicker, so we get that. But still, why? Oh, I would have changed it had I known that. But it's too late. At least they beat the Texans. And they got booed off the field there. Something's up with this Denver Broncos team. They're going to play at home against a San Francisco team that's hungry for a Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback than Trey Lance. Yes, I said it. Give me San Francisco by two scores. Nathaniel Hackett. Woof. And you can hear my dog scratching in the background probably. Woof, woof. Dallas and the Giants, our final regular pick game of this uh, segment. The Giants are surprising 2-0. The Cowboys are surprising 1-1. In my opinion, when the Cowboys win, it's a surprise. Um, great thanks to uh, Megan Adelini from WEEI for um, retweeting something that is often said on this program. The, the NFC East is the Cowboys division to lose, and they will lose it. Indeed, they will do the same thing this year. They might have won the division last year. But still, Dak Prescott ran the football with 20 seconds to go and did not have time to spike it. Okay, it was probably about 14 seconds. But you get my point. That said, I like the Cowboys in this game because the Giants are 2-0, and and I think we've all seen that NFL meme. Hey, 2-0 teams, join up. Bills, Chiefs, Giants. What? Dallas 24, Giants 17. Clunker Monday night game. And now to our bonus game. Kent State and Georgia. Again, the game is not, it's not necessarily the money line on this, on this game. It's the spread on this game. Does Georgia cover minus 45 against Kent State? Last week we had Alabama 47 or 46 and a half, I think it was, or something like that. And I said no, they would not cover. I was wrong. They did cover. Kent State, the Mac in the last uh, bottom 25 thing I have seen. The Mac has eight teams. And even LeBron James can say it. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. But eight teams in the bottom 25. And yes, LeBron's hometown Akron is one of those eight. Kent State is also one of those eight. If this were Michigan number one, I would perhaps say no on this cover. This week, though, on Georgia, I'm going to say yes on the cover. 55 to 7. So I got a 48-point spread. They're going to cover the 45, Georgia 55, Kent State 7. So 
With that said, those are your pickums. We got Clemson, we got Florida, we got AM, we got the Bears, we got the Raven Raiders, we got the Saints, we got the Seahawks, we got the Bucks, we got the Niners, we got the Cowboys begrudgingly, and we have Georgia covering the 45 point spread. This has been this week's fresh edition of the Tom Green Podcast. We hope to have a guest at some point, hopefully next week, but hopefully later this season as well. Hope you enjoyed the 20 minutes of Tom Green rants.